Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 147 of the ETPHD team podcast with myself and Georgia. Hi Georgia, how are you? Hello, I'm very, very good, thank you. How are you? Good, good and great, thank you. And Anna, how are you? I am swell, thank you. Yeah, all good. Great. I was just saying before we came on um, that Georgia was rubbing in about how fresh she feels. She literally said, what is it you said? I feel fantastically fresh or something along those lines. I feel alive and grateful. (laughs) Alive and grateful. I'm like, thanks. Thanks so much for that. Um, I too feel feel grateful. I feel grateful. Um, Anyone got any exciting news before we just crack on with the questions? I start counselling course next week, so... I'm very excited. Anna and Steph have both said fantastic things. So that's, that's awesome. my excitement. That is awesome. Very awesome. And do I have any exciting news? No, I just did see some disturbing TikTok just before I came on about um, how they think someone thinks size zero is making a comeback in fashion because the Kardashians have started getting fat treatment on their stomachs and BBLs are now out. And I was just like, not like not again. And they said, well, it's no surprise with 90s fashion coming in that 90s bodies are coming back. So let's make a public announcement now that we're going to rebel against this movement. And if we can all rebel together, then it will not be a movement that is successful. But other than that. Heroin chic, isn't it? The heroin chic kind of, I mean, it's literally named after drug abuse. (laughs) Why would you be like, amazing? But I saw a video, um, I have to try and find it now I can't think of the account but it was one where they were highlighting where people have like photoshopped things I'm sorry like you might want to put your fingers in your ears I know you like Kim K but in her photo in her video she had photoshopped out her traps so that she just had a neck and then shoulders and it was really well done because it was a video like you you could hardly tell but this woman was like we need to look at the water and the way that like the waves have been put in they've put it in they've done it well but it doesn't match the rest of the water and, and they're like she's got she's got muscles missing from her body like what's wrong with I'm gonna start doing more shrugs I think in my <laughs> rebellion just <ooh. laughs> oh my word oh my word That's... I was a child in the 90s so I'm not going back to like prepubescent I've yeah we don't need that <laughs> just... uh-uh. no. Oh, no. Same. same I can't imagine anything worse than having to try and be as small as possible anymore now again we're not anti-diet by any means but trying to be as small as possible as in a general consensus is not the funnest place to be I'm just not I'm not up for it and I'm also not really up for low-waisted jeans and whatever else is going to be coming back to be quite honest apart from 90s was very nipple focused so I'm here for that but (laughs) other than that I think I'm kind of out so let's yeah let's hopefully that by hopefully that disappears soon and it's not a thing um anyway let's crack on with the question georgia do you want to go first yes thank you i've got a lovely one for you about your weekend what did you learn 
or enjoy the most or take from the event in Lisbon I loved watching your stories well thanks first of all I just I did not I'm actually annoyed at myself for how little I took pictures I especially on like one of the nights I, I put my bag down somewhere and I left it there for about four hours and didn't take it, pick it back up again. And it was great. But also I realised then I had no documentation of the night. Although that might not have been a bad thing on that specific night. Um, <laughs> um, these videos are starting to be released from like Dr. Mike and other people where I mean, you can see me in the background. And, and every single time I think, oh, my God, what is it going to be of me? Just because I don't like to, I'm not very good at dancing, obviously, but I dance because I don't care. But then when people document it, it's not great. Like, it's not great. Um, to be honest, the thing that I felt that I learned the most, so I didn't learn personally a lot from the talks hugely because I've heard these people speak before and and um, it's it, we all have different ways of doing things. And so some of the ways that the other people do things, I wouldn't do them and vice versa. But there were a few things that I learned. So I got a big stark reminder of how much I absolutely love being around big groups of people even though day to day I hate being around big groups of people and what I mean by that is it's so easy and I've spoken about this before but it's so easy to hide behind this narrative that you're an introvert and that you're shy and that you're socially awkward and all these things which I definitely I definitely have done definitely still do and I'm sure you guys totally can't relate to this it's so easy to hide behind it but we are human and actually being around people and having like that kind of group mentality sometimes can be so great for your confidence and so great to kind of push you out your comfort zone and like fill you up in a connection way that you don't necessarily get from one-on-one -on -one interactions and you don't necessarily get from being on your own and I've come back from it I've made tons of new friends and I did push myself out of my comfort zone because so one of the guys said to me, I don't think I said this on the podcast yesterday, but one of the guys said to me when I was, we went skinny dipping. Did I say this on the podcast yesterday, Anna? No, you didn't mention any skinny dipping. <laughs> I went skinny dipping on Saturday night, just because why wouldn't you, right? And um, we were walking home and the guy, this guy who I just met, had not just met, but like whatever I said to me, he's like, <laughs> not to myself anyway, but here I'm at. Basically he said to me, you're, you're really quite different one-on-one -on -one than you are in a group. And I was like, what do you mean he said you're just you're a lot funnier and you've got a lot more about you when you're one-on-one -on -one. and I was like because it's so overwhelming to be in a group especially in a group of people like at IFS where people are extroverts and I'm obviously not and I was like this is a reminder that I need to spend more time in groups so that I can get my personality across when I'm in big groups as well as not just one-on-one -on -one because you miss out on so much if you're sat quiet in a corner when there's so much going on around you and it's so easy as an introvert and someone who is shy to fall like fall into the quiet zone of comfort and actually it's so important to kind of push yourself out of that and after he said that actually to be fair the next day I deliberately did I, I didn't sit in my room with and do work or whatever I was like out and I was I'm going to be in these groups of people which I was um so for me I just got a nice reminder of this like the need to push yourself out of your social comfort zones it's so easy to look at me and think well I just push myself out of my comfort zone when it comes to work and stuff like that which I do travel which I do but groups of people, I don't, and I need to be better at it. So that was my nice reminder. I also got a nice reminder that I need more than an hour of sleep overnight because that's insufficient, given the fact that I am still ill. Um, although this podcast will go out on Monday, so if I'm still ill by this point, then I'm in, I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I don't think I will be. Um, but yeah, it was great. So I, I expect all you guys to come next year.
oh, pe personally attacked by the not being a wallflower in large groups. But you, like, we are all a group of that, right? I'm sure you guys can relate. If, oh yeah, like with, with people I know, I'm like, oh, great, okay. And then as soon as there's a larger group, I'm like, oh, just sit and experience the people. And like, <laughs> yeah. as we bite in your hands, like, what? She's not even saying anything. She's not even not really. <laughs> just like, you know what? I'm going to be the wallflower in this conversation and just bow out. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> like we all, like we all do it, right? And it's just like, and it's it's just such an easy narrative to fall behind. I love being introspective. I love like watching other people. But do you know what? I also love making a table full of people laugh. Like I love that. And you don't get to do that if you're set quietly, like on your own. And it's that's such an ego thing. But I'm like, I love stuff like that. I need to force myself to do it more. So that is me publicly stating my, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, intention with that. Okay, next question. <laughs> Anna. Um, tips for anxiety or phobias. I have a fear of flying. Shocking, I know, because I love travel. And I did the BA fear of flying course a few years ago, which did help, but it's not cured it fully. I had a couple of fr friends, sorry, clients who are also friends as well, um, who have that same fear of um, flying. And one of them, she did like a meditation series on, um, on the fear of flying. And then she flew to Canada and was like, oh there was a few moments of like nerves but she did it so I will actually try and find out what that meditation series was that she did um and then now I don't know how much I buy into this but then another client for her the belief was there which is why it supported her but she um had hypnosis for flying and has been traveling non-stop probably for about the last 18 months now so that anecdotally is my input. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, to be honest, I don't really have a huge amount to add. I know that everyone is different in terms of what supports them and there are different therapeutic techniques. Some people use things like CBT and CBT to do it and visualization. I know that visualization can be quite powerful to imagine yourself going through that process in a kind of calm and peaceful way and what that would look like and what that would feel like. I imagine maybe the BA thing the BA program probably did some of that anyway um but it's I guess it's more of a psychology thing we're not going to sit here and say feel the fear and do it anyway because if you have a phobia of something that's probably the most patronizing advice you could possibly give and so we're not like I'm not going to say that but I mean hypnosis sounds like a great it sounds like a great show okay Steph's question tips for switching off from work for example I'm always worried that I will fall behind and as a result constantly writing to-do lists as a result I'm always thinking about what needs done or feeling guilty for not using all of all of or any of my free time to prepare for work although my work can be busy I sometimes feel like I make it harder or busier than it needs to be I can definitely tell it's a Steph client with a to-do list right <laughs> um I think and it's it's something that you often speak about Amelia that helped me the most is just having that acceptance that you're never going to get everything done there's always going to be something to do and for me I, I take each day 
I have my big tasks that need to be done at the end. Well, I say at the day, but at the start of the week, I'll have the big task that needs to be done each day, the tasks that I'd like to do throughout the week and, and tasks that if I get done, that's a bonus, but they're not urgent or anything like that. And that's been quite a nice way to help relieve some of the pressure as well for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like having those lists of like must do's, will do's and can do's or like top priority within the next month, within the next six months. And yeah, that's the same as me. My to-do list is very much like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like these are things that I've definitely got on. And then at the end of that list, there might be something that I need to do this week that will still be there. And I'll keep getting pushed down probably until the end of the week, but it will get done. And then at the very bottom, there's a list of things that I need to think about incorporating in. And at some point, I know that I'll have the time to do them, but that might be now and it might not be. Um, deadlines are really important. If you're if you are spending too much time on stuff, your to-do list is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. So having deadlines for things is crucial they take your brain from kind of thinking about something to actually doing something and completing something um but also remember like I don't necessarily love the framing of rest being productive I think it's helpful to some people but honestly if you're not rested you're going to make stupid mistakes and your quality of work is going to be crap when you rest your work subsequently your creative mind your logical brain like being objective all of your like your quality of work is going to infinitely improve when you're rested so you're doing like you're not doing yourself any favors by not taking time off and I would also say like you're not here to work like you you you're here to work to live not live to work and one day you're going to wake up and look back on your life and think shit I've spent my whole entire 20s 30s whatever it is 40s putting everything into my work and where's where's my joy even if you love your work there's absolutely nothing wrong with like I love working because I love everything that I do but I also love that time off because that's also where a lot of life happens and if you are spending all of your time doing that then I can tell you you are you're going to regret at some point and that's not what life is about um so really like keep that at the forefront and also look at your reason for compulsively overworking overworking because you're driven by your values is it's okay sometimes but if you're overworking out of comparison or overworking out of feel feeling of like I need to achieve in order to be enough you're constantly like that's not associated with like better outcomes it's not associated with better mental well-being or actually improved productivity so you really need to look at what is my drive why do I feel so accomplished just when I tick things off my list why can I not just feel accomplished for being human and being alive and and living my best life so that's something I would probably look at it's a conversation I was having with one of my clients this morning actually because she was saying when she goes on holiday she just wants to resist the temptation to check emails while she's away and I was like I can feel that temptation I do it sometimes at weekends I'm like oh just check and I'm like I actually have to say to myself my boundary is reminder what am I doing right now I'm like, oh, <laughs> my hands creep back in. I'm like, no, I'm not going to quickly check Gmail because it's so tempting to do it sometimes. Oh, I've just got five minutes. Like, I'll quickly do this. And it's like, but why will I quickly do this? Why will I not just save this for my working time and have the rest time that I've got right now? So I gave myself like some quite firm boundaries, which you guys will probably recall that in the early days I did not have. And now <laughs> I am much better for it. And, but it's a practice as well. Like it's something you don't just say it one time and then great. You have to keep putting that like in place and keep questioning yourself. But 
two other things that I found really helpful, particularly as I identify it as a list maker also, is um, having a bit of a wind down routine from work, like having a little bit of a ritual that you go through. So it's like, okay, I've checked and replied to any final emails that I'm gonna do, like tick that off the list. I've checked tomorrow and I know what's happening and I feel confident with that. And I'm not gonna wake up in the night thinking, oh, what about this? Tick it off. Um, and I actually found a meditation that was like a, a work switch off meditation. It was like 10 minutes. It was great. It was even like, go and put your coffee cup out of your room. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and it was like, just taking me through things. And I was like, this is all stuff that I would probably do anyway. But it's nice having that formal kind of like, now tick the box. You've officially switched off. How are you? And I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is fantastic. I feel what? There's something to be said for someone telling you what to do. <laughs> like yeah. I was having this conversation with someone today actually and I was like do you know what in every part of my life like with work and I, I need to tell myself what to do and I love to be told I like I love to be doing what I'm doing I said in every other part of my life if someone could just be like do this <laughs> I'm like that's what like it's just there's something about it that I just appreciate a lot so yeah that sounds like a mastery I should think we do that <laughs> um okay George our question I'm starting out here and finding George's support and ETPHD method is dovetailing brilliantly with the counselling I'm having. I feel like I want to immerse myself in this whole process and I'm excited about the changes that I'm already experiencing, albeit that I'm quite uncomfortable in my body at the moment. How do I balance that need and desire to be in, in an ETPHD bubble with life, marriage, three children, job, elderly parents etc it's sometimes a challenge to be present with all that's going on in my head heart soul and nurturing myself oh, what, what a nice question mm. beautiful well worded okay well <laughs> what's that wait no 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 go ahead all of these parts of your life are part of an etphd bubble in that with, with all of this work, mindfulness, compassion, being values-led, emotional regulation, we do this so that you can live fully wholeheartedly within your life of having children, a job, elderly parents. And I think reminding yourself that all of this work is not a selfish endeavor as much as we focus on you. You are our priority as our client you are doing all of these things yes for yourself and that has to be number one but you're also doing it so that when you show up to your relationship you can communicate better you can go out for dinner and not worry about your food choices or you can model to your children that this is what a good relationship with food looks like so that when they grow up they don't have any sort of disordered eating habits for example or you you set better boundaries with your job so that you can be better at your job or be more present with your family so all of this work really does filter out into your life sometimes initially it can feel like I'm doing all this stuff for me so in the sense of like fitting it into the bubble they're all in the bubble with you it's just that maybe right now it doesn't necessarily feel like that because you're having to focus on yourself that being said I imagine maybe a little part of this is like how do I find the time to do all of these things whilst you're doing all the other stuff and really it's I think it's about trying to not be perfect with it and not trying to often we want to do all of it at once and trying to get everything perfect and, and throw everything into the mix and that's not really 
possible when you have such busy lives and I all will always say this to anyone who asks me this question similar type of question it's like I don't have kids and yeah I've got some family commitments but realistically I don't know what it's like other than like from clients that I've worked with but it's like to juggle all of those things and I take my hat off to you for juggling all of those things but you know I have a busy life in other ways and I have to prioritize my own self-work in other ways that maybe someone else might not with, with children and um I think you just have to remember that a little bit is enough and just like so Anna and I have just done 30 31 days of yoga for August right we were doing it every day but guess what I missed a day I missed a day in in, in Lisbon on Sunday morning but I, mean, you know what? I think I think that's like did you have any any sleep was it more a nap does it count as one day that's what it sounded like oh yeah it's a great shout I did it on Saturday night and then I only had 1.5 hours of sleep so <laughs> probably just a nap so therefore Saturday and Sunday were one day gosh so smart so technically I did all the days <laughs> great idea but point of that was one of those yoga days on Saturday night that yoga day was six minutes in my hotel room just doing like whatever on the floor before I went out like they are small small things a few years ago if I was doing yoga I would be like I'm going to go to a class and do this hour session and I wanted it to be hot yoga because I really liked hot yoga and I think really taking a step back and saying like realistically what's the minute like the minimum viable product here what's the minimum amount that I have to do in order to get a benefit from this and taking the pressure off and I've thought about this myself in terms of if I want to start a family at some point like what that will look like potentially as a single parent and try would I be able to do all the things that I love to do and obviously you can't do everything but I've always thought well you know like I would learn how to do like some breathing work with the kid and all of these little things and I think that that's what the ETPHD bubble and method is right not trying to do everything like meticulously yeah I think I was gonna I was gonna add and obviously we talked about it um on the podcast that we did like when you when you've just started and the common things that that come up and I think right now obviously Georgia's going to be pacing you with the habits that she's asking you to do and and gradually building them up in a way that feels manageable for you but initially some of them will take more of a a concerted effort and I'm thinking maybe more so like along the meditation route but you'll find that when you start to practice that then you'll become more mindful in general with every like in all other areas of life so it's not just like like you were saying Amelia with the ETPHD bubble it's you're more present and aware when you're with your children you're more present and aware when you're at work in all areas of, of life. Um, Anna, Um, okay. When training and stuck on a weight for some weeks, is it best to add more reps or is there something else I can be doing to help my progress? I would either increase your rep range or slow down your tempo and practice that. Um, I wouldn't really do much else. Like if it's, I, I would almost guarantee it's lat raise you're talking about because lat raise you can be on the same weight for about five years. <laughs> same weight five years later, um. So I yeah I would do that. I, that 
those are my generally my two go-tos slow down tempo or increase reps I don't know if you guys would do anything differently I would and I'm thinking me on shoulder press ask for a spot get someone to lift it up and even if they are even if you only get one or two reps out and then get a few supported reps just getting used to being under a bit more weight and building that confidence in yourself I think is really important as well because half the time you're going I know I can't do this I'm not going to be able to pick it up it no I think the only other consideration I might have there and I don't really know what exercise specifically they're stuck on but um taking a little look at range of motion as well like if if you can say it's a squat and you normally squat to kind of parallel if you have the mobility and it's comfortable to do that could you start squatting a little bit deeper getting a slightly bigger range of motion just so that yes technically it's the same weight but actually you are working a little bit harder you're getting a bigger movement through those muscles as well agreed okay Becca's question when I signed up with you there were questions on values what I value most for example I would definitely say that this is family generally with family time come meal times and get togethers around food I find it tricky to explain what I'm trying to ask but if this is one of my values why do I get so bogged down when we have family time around food and I still think about it somehow going against my goals does that make any sense <laughs> not saying a word <laughs> it it does make sense and you're you're not alone in feeling that way by any means and of course working with Becca you're going to feel more comfortable in these sorts of situations regardless of your goal um I think I was going to say, I don't, I don't know what the, what the goal is. Obviously, I'm thinking fat loss in, in this instance, which possibly isn't if you're working with Becca. But even in those situations, if you are in a family gathering and your family is your biggest value, then actually spending time with them is most important. But you can still make choices that align with your goals. It's not one or the other here. Mm. I think the thing to remember is, your goals, like your values are like a compass that you set your goals against. So ask yourself, is this goal actually in line with my values? If you're saying family is the most important goal, your most important value, is your goal, maybe I don't know what it is, but is your health goal, what would the goal, what would the goal be? Maybe it's to improve relationship with food, right? How does that relate to your family? Does it allow you to not be bogged down with these thoughts when you're eating with them? Does it allow you to model good behaviours for your children? How does that goal relate to your family? Like it's definitely worth actually journaling that out and figuring out how does this goal align with what I say is most important to me? You need to know that. And I would also journal on how are my thoughts around food with my family moving me away from my goals and moving me away from my family values so that you can see like where that gap is really important to kind of delve a little bit deeper and it's quite difficult for us just from this question to delve deeper so it's important that you do that but like Anna said if you it depends how long you've been doing this for but it this is one of your challenging situations and it's why you're doing this work is that 
you're not always going to get bogged down around food. When you think about it's going against your, I think you feel like eating with your family is going against your goals. And your reason you're confused is because it's aligned with your values. So you really need to look at your goals here. And I think there's maybe some, I think you need to, you either need to refresh your goals so that you can see how they align with that, or you need to, you need to refresh how eating with your family aligns with your goals. I'm going to give you a bit of an example, because actually one of my clients framed this perfectly this week, um, where she's come from background of meticulously tracking everything um, and sort of restriction and body image are things that she's really working through and although relationship with food is our number one priority there is still an underlying desire of fat loss as well just to kind of give you guys context and this week she said um because for her family is her number one value as well and she was like I've been eating meals with my family which sounds like a really small thing but actually what's happened is she used to previously make a meal for all of the family apart from herself cook herself something separate that she had tracked and accounted for and could technically allow that day and by the time she'd made that and sat down the rest of the family had finished eating and they were up and gone and she was like well then what happened was she would eat it as fast as she possibly could um not mindfully at all not really caring about if she was hungry or full or whatever and now what she's doing is she's eating the same meal as her family she's enjoying that time with them she's mindful of what she's eating she's slowing down because they're there and they're talking rather than her sitting on her own just eating for the sake of it and she's actually been able to notice when she feels full and regardless of what she served herself she's getting to the point where she can stop and that is supporting her fat loss goal. It's supporting her relationship with food. And both of those outcomes are in line with her value of, of family time as well. So I think sometimes when we get very like laser focused on just one direction, you feel like you're working against yourself, but you may well be working with yourself. And on that, I don't know if you guys know, I follow quite a lot of feminist accounts on Instagram. I watched a video yesterday and it absolutely killed me because she was like, just so you know, when I finish a question and I say, does that make sense? I'm not actually questioning myself. She was like, it's just that I think you're all dumb. And it absolutely <laughs> killed me. I think I saw that one. <laughs> Did you see it? Oh, it made me laugh so much. Um, I actually got into an argument with someone at IFS about feminism because he it was I mean it was on a night out so he he approached me about my talk and things that he really liked my talk but there was part of our talk that we we're talking about how as a woman we're talking about the competency like about likability bias which is where men have certain attributes that are or there's certain attributes that are attributed to be masculine assertiveness confidence competence etc and there's certain qualities that are attributed as feminine so collaboration vulnerability and compassion and when a woman shows up with these masculine traits it it doesn't confuse people to their face but subconsciously it makes people dislike her right because there's this mismatch and it's this competency like ability bias so when women show up in business as, as um, assertive and confident they, they appear aggressive and unlikable and so we were talking about that in terms of business owners and how it's important to present yourself as a woman. And this so this person asked me about my views on feminism and stuff in a nutshell and said that my post actually triggered, my post on social media around feminism actually triggered him. And I was like, well, I said, I think that's important that you, that you look at why it triggers you in the first place. 
because that's what the research and he's and he basically said not all men he said um yeah but but my opinion is this and I said I appreciate your opinion but like this is like that's the research like we weren't standing up there saying women should be soft but we are saying this is what the research said and in the end I just had to say this is a conversation if you'd like to continue it sober then we can do that tomorrow but it's not the time or the place because it was in a club or like in a bar so I thought I'm not I'm probably not articulating myself very well but I had two people speak to me about my feminist stuff at the weekend what was interesting is that both of them were men and both of them waited until they were they'd had some alcohol before they approached me about it and both of them I ended the conversation saying if you'd like to talk to me about this sober let's do that Graham fitness chef was just laughing so much at me because he said it got to about two o'clock in the morning and then people would try and start conversations with you about feminism and, the, and you have never seen you be so irate at people being like I want a night out why do I want to be talking about feminism <laughs> like, it's true bye um Amazing. can we just it's a cough sorry oh no so can we just come back to that there right sorry if there are any men listening take a deep breath and take this with the intention that it's meant but how how is he unable to see how ironic that is that he believes his opinion about how he views this to be more important than all the research and all the data on the lived experiences of women throughout all time yeah just popping that one there i know and i've cut that conversation very short (laughs) (laughs) that was good of you i think i'd have just laughed and been like I'm gonna need another drink (laughs) you know what though I really I don't I obviously love men and I don't like to and I respected this person for having a conversation with me Mm -hmm. about it and that is the thing like if I had that conversation with this person sober I would probably be like nodding along and I really respect his opinion I think it was because we were both on a night out and it was just the situation that we were in and if he ever contacted me and said like I'd love to talk to you about this in a message format or sober I'd be like great I think it was just the environment but it does it is interesting that it is interesting that the only time people really pick me up on this and I want to be challenged because sometimes I probably can get too woke to be honest and I don't want to be like that and I do want to be challenged but it, it amazes me that or it doesn't it's interesting that it's always when I, it's on either behind a keyboard on social media or it's after alcohol it's not people who are sober coming up to me at an event saying oh you you said you know not all men but actually did I think it's it's which I get it's a hard conversation is important right like it is but yeah place. exactly um okay Anna go for it um okay so this is from a another coach who has asked how to get over a social media slump I see you guys posting all the time and it seems like you don't have an off switch <laughs> well <laughs> I have an off switch right now I tell you that <laughs> get stuck down um honestly I think sometimes it's because you're not there's a couple of things right sometimes it's because you're not taking any time out for yourself so you're not spending time with friends you're not switching off from the world and and you're a bit kind of don't want to use the word burnt out but you're a bit blah about things and you're and so I would say prioritize making sure like you're having fun and doing things outside of work I would also say make sure that you're actually consuming content that's not social media like are you listening to podcasts you should be listening to podcasts multiple times a week that are on like things that interest you and I don't just mean nutrition podcasts I mean like some of my content I might get from my therapist goes to me or I'll get from a business podcast that I put into a nutrition sense or 
like it'll just be or it'll be a dating podcast that makes sense in terms of nutrition so really looking at where you're like getting some information from people but mostly I would say think about what your social media is for when I post I think is this going to help one person make a better decision with themselves or their body or their food then I'm going to post it and a really good way to think about that is what is it your clients are coming to you saying when they sign up what am I struggling with and if you're struggling to put content out sometimes it's because you think well I've said the same thing if I counted how many of my posts were about emotional eating it would be like 60 percent being good on social media is repeating the same thing over and over again but in a different way making people think about it in a different way but you're still saying the same thing over and over again so I think to not try not to worry about repeating the same stuff that you've done before don't try and overcomplicate it think like what do my clients need to hear or what like do my people that follow me need to hear but I always think about it in terms of my clients it might be something that one of my clients has said in checking and I'm like well do you know what I know a lot of people struggle with that so I'm going to do a post on that rather than what information can I give you're there to give value and you're there to give like your opinion on stuff but again it can be hard to give your opinion when you're not rested and you're not having fun in your life and you're not feeling like creative yeah I think like you said I often take things that come up in check-ins throughout the week um and really getting clear on well it's your niche isn't it who you're working with the common problems like you said that they are struggling with and ant did a really good um reel recently um about getting clear on who you're helping why you're helping them and that that was quite helpful for um getting a bit more ideas for content um but I think for me, I just have, like you said, we all have those ones that we know help people that, that I was going to say, get the likes, get the reactions, whatever, but they're common problems. So I, like you said, I might have, okay, I've done that in a post, so let's make it a reel and, and someone else might engage with it. It might sink in a little bit differently, just the wording or something like that, but also having a few batched up because we know that it's normal to go through those slumps. So it gets to the weekend and I don't have to think about what I'm posting. It's just, yeah, it's done. Yeah, it's always on a Friday, isn't it? By the time I get to Friday, I'm like, oh, what anything creative to say whatsoever? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just going to jump in and say Anne, that Anna's talking about is at PT Mentor Academy. So if you're wondering who that is. I think it's also normal, like just, I know we're always like, is it normal? But it is normal to have times where you're not feeling as creative and other times when you are. And like what I tend to do, like you said, with having a batch is when I am feeling creative, I won't be like, oh, I'm only going to do this for an hour. I will just make the things that I think, oh, oh, and this idea. Oh, and do you remember that person said that? And I will just like let my brain kind of run loose and, and make some things. It makes it sound like I'm really creative. I'm not. Um, but then when you are having a dry spell where your brain's just like sorry there's just nothing in there you've you've got that backup also you don't feel bad about the fact that you're having a little bit of a social media kind of I don't know like you said general malaise um yeah it is normal like even if you think everyone on this team is super on it and in love with social media all the time guarantee you behind the scenes we are regularly like oh my brain is just not doing stuff today (laughs) do you know what I actually I had a similar conversation with a client a few weeks ago where she was like gets to PMS week and then my brain just just goes and I don't I 
don't have any ideas for content. I don't want to do, <laughs> don't want to do anything. I was like, mm, I, I think we can all relate. <laughs> but I was like, maybe that's maybe that's your that's your content right there is some posts around PMS or female physiology, well, whatever, whatever you want to do, that would be a good place to start. Mm. I like that. Right. Georgia. Is it you? Or is it me? It's maybe me. Okay, I'll go. Steph. Um, Steph's question, what are the best things you can do? Actually, there's two of these, so I'm going to join them together. What are the best things you can do to help yourself become less of a perfectionist? I know all the ways in which this holds me back, but I still struggle with the mindset that if I can't do it perfectly, it's not worth doing at all. Even if I don't consciously think this thought, I still identify a lot of this behavior in myself. What are the practical things you can do to stop this? Second question from Steph, one of Steph's clients is how do you challenge a perfectionist mindset? I've spoken about this lots and I know you've done a many posts on it as well Amelia and that is just to purposely challenge the perfectionist in you do things imperfectly prove to yourself that it's okay just being good enough and nothing bad happens and I realized that whilst I thought I think that, that like initially this uh, came from like some of my therapy sessions a couple of years ago but I watched a Big Bang recently where Sheldon needed to, like, I think it was Amy was wind, not winding him up, but it was the same same thing where he just wasn't allowed to finish things. And like, in, in a sense, they weren't then perfect for him. And I was like, oh, see, it does work. It's not just <laughs> like we are, we are onto something here. Yeah, I think we spoke about this at the weekend, Emma and I, about perfectionism and how we we glorify it like it's something that's a badge of honor like oh my biggest flaw is perfectionism like oh that's such a hard life like it's not something to be glorified it's whenever you act from a place of perfectionism you're stopping yourself from taking risks because you're too scared to do anything in case you fail you're holding yourself back and so I think one of the key things is getting comfortable with failure and seeing failure as a necessary part of growth you'll not you will not get anywhere if you can't accept failure if not celebrate failure and actually something I'm we've got a team meeting after this podcast and I'm going to be talking about failure in our team meeting because it's important to incorporate failure into into a kind of expected part of your of your progress in whatever it is that you're doing expect failure I don't mean in the sense of well I'm going to fail anyway so I may as well just self-sabotage I mean going all right okay well that was the time that I was going to fail because I knew it was going to come at some point so that's interesting that's happened then what can I learn from it and journaling on failure in terms of like how have I failed what did I learn and how did I cope and what will I do differently next time is super super important so I think that is one of the best ways you can challenge the perfection side of things of just recognizing and celebrating actually not being 100% perfect perfect like perfectionism is a myth it's not even it doesn't even exist and also again like looking at why you think you need to be perfect and what purpose is that serving for you usually perfection perfectionism always comes from one key driver and the key driver is that we think that we're fixing some sort of defect in us so what is it that you're trying to fix in yourself by being perfect and is being perfect with your nutrition or your work or whatever it is genuinely getting you to that place 
There was some cool research, again, I was speaking about this at IFS, that looks at perfectionism in terms of like business performance and how in, in kids at school, perfectionism is associated with better grades and better outcomes, but in perfectionism in adults um, is associated with worse business outcomes. Like you, as an adult, if you're trying to achieve something, perfectionism is holding you back consistently and, and you have to keep challenging yourself and not just say, not fall into, like I'll never call my perfectionist, myself a perfectionist anymore. I, I used to be and I'm a Virgo and I'm very much highly ambitious and driven A-type personality. Naturally, guess what? Like I'm a perfectionist, but I'll never say that anymore because I don't want to be a perfectionist. I don't think it's admirable. So I don't want to fall into the kind of limiting belief of being a perfectionist. So I won't repeat it to myself over and over again. Um, okay, Georgia, question. Um, how to cope mentally with a loss of physical strength post-COVID and can it be regained when you are also perimenopausal and ageing? First of all, yes, it can definitely be regained. Um, muscle memory is a fantastic thing. And yeah, you will regain it. I don't know how long you've been kind of out of the gym. And, and that, so that's going to have a bit of an impact, how long you have been out of the gym. But realistically, it could be a couple of weeks. It could be six months. There was a really cool bit of research that I'm going to find actually whilst one of you guys are talking around like pregnancy and being out of like exercise around pregnancy and why that's important. But you guys can touch on this while I find it. well I was gonna say when it comes to to age and being perimenopausal like these things get scapegoated a lot as like reasons for not being strong or reasons for not doing x y or z but it's only really you will lose muscle and you will lose strength as you age if you don't continue to remain active if you're active you're not going to see those same declines that you see in other people so I realize sometimes it's a bit scary because a lot of the clients I work with are perimenopausal or have already transitioned through the menopause and for them they're looking at you know the changes they saw in their mother's bodies or people that they consider to be elderly and kind of a fear of not wanting to be frail and not having that kind of strength but that comes with the inactivity that regularly comes with kind of like retirement and the majority of my clients are very active so they really don't tend to see that decline that I think they imagine in their mind is, is going to be like inevitable because they're getting older um but a really good example of this and I can't remember the name of the woman but I don't know if you might remember Amelia from um Richie's talk in Dublin where he was talking about that elderly woman who um she took up was it powerlifting she took up like in her 60s or 70s because she couldn't shovel the snow from the sidewalk so she took up powerlifting um and like had gone from never lifting to powerlifting and now like she's lifting stuff that I was looking at like oh my goodness <laughs> in my wildest dreams am I lifting what she's lifting um so age definitely has nothing to do with it and if anything we know that from taking a break from training like you know during covid lockdowns where we were in and out of the gyms all the time um we can regain our strength after a break mm okay so this question this um paper if anyone wants to look it up it is um impact of pregnancy in 42 elite to world-class runners on training and performance outcomes and it's a 2022 study um so what they did was they looked at 42 like i said 42 elite athletes pre during and post pregnancy um and 
they found that training volumes during pregnancy um, were, they, they still trained throughout pregnancy, right? But they obviously then had to take time out, especially in the third trimester. Um, um, it, participants who intended to return to high level competition did so at a statistically similar level of performance. So they, they had the same level of performance in the one to three year period post-pregnancy. Um, the, hold on, let's see. Participants returned to activity and exercise at six weeks postpartum and to 80% of pre-pregnancy training volumes by three months. Um, and the 60% of participants who intended to return to equivalent performance levels post-pregnancy, there was no statistical decrease in performance in the one to three years compared to pre-pregnancy and 46% improved performances post-pregnancy. Now, I know we're talking about specifically pregnancy here. It's not like COVID, but it's still time out of training and significant reductions in training. And for those of them that wanted to continue with things that they wanted to, 80% of pre-pregnancy training volumes by three months and like no drop in performance within a year. Like we forget how, like we over-dramatize how much time we've spent out of the gym recently and forget actually what we've done for so long and what we will do for so long moving forwards. Like that's the stuff that actually matters. It's totally normal to take some time out and our bodies can cope with time out and you're not going to lose significant amounts of muscle, especially if you're eating enough protein. And yeah, strength might take a little bit of time to get back, but muscle memory is great and and cope with it by just saying, right, this is a natural part, just like bodies are going to change, strength's going to change, muscle mass is going to change. All of these things are totally normal to change as part of life. But now you get to push and bring it back and you get the excitement of bringing things back to your pre, pre-COVID levels. Okay, let's do one more question. Anna. Um, okay, I was tasked with I was tasked with the 30 different plant-based foods. And whilst I consider what I eat to be well balanced, I really struggled to reach it. Any tips to include more variety into my week? So many tips. <laughs> <laughs> Just the tips. So yeah, when it comes to plant-based, <laughs> the 30 plant-based um, <laughs> foods. It includes herbs and spices like black pepper, that kind of thing as well. So if you're creating a meal where you've got a side of roasted veggies, let's say you've got at least one of each color. So you've got like um, red onion, purple, um, beetroot, I was gonna say broccoli, but you do get purple broccoli as well. Maybe you've got broccoli in there. Maybe you've got some butternut squash and you've got some green peppers. You've got five, five different vegetables already plus you're going to add in like cumin and cayenne pepper and I don't know a couple of herbs you can easily get 10 plants into just a side dish and I think if you can think about including what's that skittles advert taste the rainbow that one like as many as many colors as you can think about in terms of getting plants in but then also consider you know like tofu is a plant nuts and seeds as well like I think a lot of the time we think when we're just thinking about getting plant foods in it's like okay just broccoli and carrots or maybe like some salad and we might limit ourselves to sort of five or ten things that that are the kind of I suppose the staples that you see in supermarkets but even if you see like a stir fry bag there could be like at least five or six different veggies in there 
I feel like I got very animated and excited about so I'm just going to pass it over to you guys <laughs> I think the thing is like if you especially live on your own you can find it quite difficult because you think well I don't want to buy all of these different vegetables and fruits because I won't get through them all because I live on my own that's definitely something that I've thought before and, and I've got clients like that um but the way that like I do it we'll do things like buy stir fry vegetable mixes or add like I'll buy a mix of nuts seeds nuts and seeds and dried fruit within one bag that you can keep fresh and then just like chop them up and add them all on top of like my yogurt in the morning for example so I've already got like three or four in there and then I'll buy like a bag of flax seed that I can sprinkle on top there's another one um and so trying to think a little bit outside of the box for that is quite helpful and then like Georgia said things like spices and like little condiments that you can add that you don't even think about so I came back from Lisbon when we were in Lisbon we had oh my god the best tacos and they were mushroom tacos and they tasted like monster munch and I was like why do they taste like monster munchers they were incredible but they had crispy onions on top and I was like I'm going to get some crispy onions so I ordered a big bag of crispy onions to add on top of my salad and it's like right great plant-based food crispy onions on top like that is a way to think about how to be an how to take an inclusive approach to your nutrition as opposed to a restrictive approach um Aldi again one of my faves always have like different salad toppers like beetroot coleslaw and hummus and things like that that they don't have to serve as like the main face of your dinner or your meals but they can just be like a little bit of an accompaniment to your meals um that that don't really necessarily go off that you can keep in the fridge you have them for a week and then you can just add them in so I think a lot of this work when you're trying to think of a, a healthier like an inclusive approach to your nutrition is thinking less about I'm going to have one carbohydrate one protein one fat and then three vegetables on my plate it's much more thinking about right how can I make this plate again like you said Georgia as colorful as possible and what different little things can I add into my meals and you could do that with a salad you could do that with a cooked chicken breast you could do it with yogurt or oats in the morning there are so many ways that you can do it something I find really helpful as well particularly if you you do shop in Aldi and Lidl is like the frozen bags um I get frozen bags of butternut squash so when you just want a few cubes of it you haven't got this huge squash that's just going to waste um and they do that for like sweet potato and different berries as well so you can keep a variety of things in the freezer and you can just take you know a few cherries a few blueberries to put on your yogurt or whatever so and they're going to last as well so it's not necessary thoroughly um yeah about getting this huge delivery from from the local farm with all their vegetables in agree okay great questions everyone keep them coming in thanks so much guys bye, bye. thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it and as always if you did please do feel free to like share subscribe and review And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.